Fuwa's My Day. In the book of Psalm, chapter 63, verse 1, David said, Early will I seek thee. Abraham was an early riser. Joshua was an early riser. Moses was an early riser. Jesus prayed early in the morning. David also prayed early in the morning. What about you? Be an early riser as you join God's servant, the pastor, Obed Joy Obing, on prayer line on Love 99.5 FM from Mondays through to Fridays, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. each day. Prayer line, the presence of the Lord is here. Prayer line, commanding your morning to influence your day. Did you know there's a cost for everything under the sun? Think about it. Everything worth having comes with a price tag. Nothing worthwhile comes cheap. This October, join the Beulah SDA Church as we delve into the Christian race. Campaign dubbed The Price for the Prize with Pastor Anthony Melchizedek. Satan has only one aim for you to destroy you. John chapter 10, verse number 10. And to kill you, the devil can kill you. We are on a spiritual warfare. From Sunday, 1st October through to Saturday, 7th of October. The time is 6.30 p.m. each night. Venue, Beulah Church Auditorium, Quadaso Estate. For further information, please call 0244-696-651 or 0247-028-007. So remember, there is a price to pay to receive the prize. Don't miss it. I love it. I love it. Kumasi's most vibrant airspace. Love 99.5 FM. Everyone listens to it. Experience the joy.
Hi, welcome to Relevant Life, a program brought to you by Mid-Country Chapel to encourage, motivate and bring this generation closer to God. Relevant Life is proudly sponsored by 8N Pharmacy Swami Marco, ZTH Company Limited, Asafo and Amakum, Morton's Pharmacy, TUC Junction. Stay tuned as our head pastor, Rev. David Kwanza, brings you today's message. allow the world to craft us in their own minds and want to see how it happens today if, if you are a Christian a lot of the things that uh, are guiding pillars the world wants to remove them and fashion us in his own way in, in, in their own way and then when we do the things that the world wants us to see us do then they are satisfied with us we reject that in the name of Jesus we won't allow social media to define who we become out there, all sorts of knowledge, philosophies, and wisdom are being pondered and pushed. We will not allow the world and the social media to define who we are. If you are not careful as a Christian now, the things that are most important, you will not focus on them. And then your mind will be all on stuff that you are thinking are out there. And everybody seems to love and like. So let me also get involved. In fact, the, the latest statistics is that for those who use smartphones, we check on our smartphones every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes. And what are we going in there for? When, when you go there, you want to see if you receive the message. Somebody has pushed some philosophy or direction. And then you read it and you want to imbibe that into your life. There's a certain new dress. There's a new belt. There's a new watch. We keep constantly doing that. It's penetrating our lives and it's stealing a lot from us. And many of the things being pushed there is even useless. Useless stuff. Things we can do without. Long ago when we got born again, late 80s into early 90s, we had no social media. We didn't have things to fashion and form our lives, but we had a wonderful relationship with Christ. So we can tell what the stealers are. They steal your time, they steal your energy, they steal your money. I pray that many of us will drop our smartphones. You know what they call Yama, bro? They call it dumb phones. May you get a dumb phone and have your peace. So there are gurus, there are professors, there are a whole lot of philosophies out there that is forming the believer's life. And if you are not careful, you begin to follow them to the point where the way God wants your life to be and the pattern he has drawn for us, we will abandon all of that. In fact, many times we feed on the social media to dictate the very steps we make in life. And, and gradually as it seeps in, our identity is changing. But God has made us aware of who we are already. We know who we are. According to the Bible, we have been made kings and priests. God's own definition that you are a king and you are a priest. Let's remind ourselves of that scripture. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9. Shall we run this very quickly? We already know who we are. It's not going to take a, a certain guru or professor in Sweden to tell me who I am. The greatest professor among them all has already spoken. I'm a king, I'm a priest. You are a king and you are a priest. You see, you don't believe it, isn't it? If Brian Tracy wrote something, you use it on your uh, DP. You don't believe God. I said, God said you were king and you were a priest. Yeah. And they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. 
Maybe it's not that social media is going to know us, but God knew us. So many years ago, he called us from different nations and people and kindred, and he always, already had a plan. What was he thinking? Redeemed for what? The blood slain for what? Verse number 10. Let's, let's run it quickly. We don't have time. Quickly, please. And has made us, all of us together, let's read it. One, go. And has made us unto our God, kings and priests. He's already made us. To him, not to the system, not to a guru, not to someone somewhere out there, but to himself. You are a king and you are a priest. That was how and why the blood was said. So that you have the mentality of a king and the heart of a priest. And that's how you succeed in life. What To what end? And we shall reign on earth. This is who you are. And if you have that understanding and format that into your life, then you will reign on it, not in heaven, please. That's not what the scripture is saying. As kings and priests unto our God, unto himself, not to the system, not to the system. You know, a lot of people would rather please their bosses at the workplace and do anything anyhow in church because we think we are to them, not to them, to them, not to them, but to our God. Your kings and priests. So that you will reign where? May you reign here in the name of Jesus. Because we do have now when you cross in that. Because mansion now we call them we honor what they be more Ghana. Your amen is still weak. I want to hear you. So we know who we are already. You wake up in the morning and you're walking as a king and a priest. You have the mentality of a winner already. And when you're in a castle, so according to God, all of us have been called right from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That was the mind of God. To raise kings and priests unto himself. We live for him. We serve him. We do everything for his name and for his sake. And then we reign on earth. Ready. By the time they realize you own that bank. In the name of Jesus. Street now when I'm so bad church, you know. South street in here ready. You be changing Somebody say, I am a king, I am a priest, and I reign here on earth in the name of Jesus. It's not to do with someday, somewhere, sometime. That one is gonna come, and we are looking forward to it. But here on earth we shall reign. You're not going to become one of those depressed Christians. We reject Christian depression. Somebody say, I reject depression in my Christian life. In the name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost has filled me with unspeakable joy. In the mighty name of Jesus. I know who I am. Nothing is going to change my mind about it. In the name of Jesus. When you understand these things, you come to church excited and joyful and you are dancing already. You know who you are. You are king, you are a priest. Oh, Lord Jesus. When you walk out of this service, walk on your toes. And in the end, they see you are sorry. You have to announce this and let them know. We, we're not going to be tired of life. We're not going to be afraid of the future. We're going to have no excuses for failure because we know who we are. 
and I want to address this to your heart. I don't know the state by which you came here this morning. I don't know what you are thinking. I don't know your challenges. I don't know your failures. But if only you can leave this place with the mind of a king and a priest, as set by God, not by your circumstances, you will rise above them all. Oh, Lord Jesus. He has called us to be kings and priests unto him so that we will reign on earth. Okay? So the mentality in the Nam Ghana, would be football support in the Nam Ghana. You walk with the mind and the priest mind. Mind of a king and a priest. And then the thing when when you walk with the mind of a king, when challenges come, you know, so this is what kings deal with. Kings are conquerors. So, so to prove that I am a king, I need to surmount this one. One of the challenges is joblessness in Ghana. And if you know about your party, I can never create a We must say, I told no more. Next party, we'll be around four elections, still going there. A king deals with problems and be empowered to overcome your challenges. In the name of Jesus, receive power to create something, receive the courage to take the risk. More than conquerors. Nasa would do a bushy mentality in a numb head there. And then no one shall be disappointed. Society might not look at us like that, but God sees us so, so that we will reign on it. We learn that there is associated gifts and sacrifices with this. When God called us to make us kings and priests, He gives incentives and He commands sacrifices. So you realize that once we found ourselves in Christ, there's a whole lot of grace we have enjoyed. God does things for us. There is that gifts and favors and goodies that comes with being a king and a priest that are also sacrifices. And we're looking at the sacrifice aspect of it. Once you have that mentality, God commands blessings in your direction. And then you also have to execute some sacrifices for, uh, for God. That's why he said we have been made kings and priests unto our God. Because God wants us to set up on to some responsibilities and get them done. And facing your responsibilities as a king and a priest of God is very critical. Because one major lesson the Bible has taught us, and I said it last Sunday, is the reason why he didn't like Esau. Because Esau hated responsibilities. He loved the goodies aspect. He never loved the responsibilities that goes with it. So, in order for you to reign on earth, you must love responsibility. I want to say that again. Those who reign on earth are those who love responsibility. They take risk. They are willing to go the extra mile. It might be tough. Everybody is running from it, but they want to do it. Let's show up that scripture in Songs of Solomon quickly, and then we'll make progress. Let's remind ourselves. If you love responsibility, and you don't follow God just because of the goodies, then you can reign on it. God is going to do something because of the seven. Can you go to verse number two? Go to verse number two. and uh, let's, uh, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. This is talking about relationship. Solomon is talking about his bride. God is talking about his church, his people. The love connection between us and the need for us to have a very strong uh, relationship with God. Uh, that the love of God intoxicates us. We become a people that are so much uh, in connection to him. And then the verse number three. Look at what it says. Because of the sever of thy good ointment, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. And so while he's talking about his relationship with God, he's bringing our attention to something that is very important. That when we were immature virgins, when we were naive, when we were simple, 
and when we were ordinary and we didn't have the perfect understanding of this relationship with God, we only follow him because of the anointing. We only follow him because of the favor, the ointment. We hear the fragrance of what God has done and then we want to follow God. When I go to him, he will get me a job. When I go to him, he will get me a marriage. When I go to him, he will help me to get my visa and travel abroad. When I go to him, he's going to heal my sickness. When I go to him, he's going to help me to start my business. That we follow God because of the ointment. The fragrance attracts us. And we only follow him because of the fragrance. And then he calls us virgins. He calls us simple. He calls us gullible. He says that we are immature when we follow him because of the anointing. Because the anointing produces all the goodies of this relationship. So God saw Esau and said that Esau, you hate responsibility. You don't qualify to be the head. I will change it and give it unto Jacob. And so I said that Jacob and Rebecca, they didn't need to do anything. They should have just relaxed. Because God had already done it. In the book of Romans, Paul said that before they were born, God has changed. has given the leadership unto the smaller one. And so they didn't need to do anything. What they tried to do is what created the problems for Jacob. He had to run all his life. But if he had realized, God himself would have fixed it. When we hate responsibility and we follow God only for the things we're going to get, we, we get to a point where we get stuck in life. I know so many believers that are so stuck in life. They don't know where their life is going. Because one moment they see something, they pray fast for some breakthrough, and then they are stuck. And then they go and pray for another open door, and then they are stuck. They, they still get the goodies. They don't know where they are going. But when we love responsibility, the blessings are commanded. The blessings are already there. We don't need to do much. That's why he said that it is the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich. He adds no sorrow. You don't need to fight for it. So once you love responsibility in God, automatically the blessings flow. May the Lord shower more upon us. Because we love responsibility. When we get to the point where we follow God because of responsibility, then we are mature. We are no longer virgins. We are no longer God either. When believers grow to the point where we understand our responsibilities, much as we also receive the blessings from God, at that moment we are mature. That's when we can come to church for one year, two years, three years, and if we haven't received some raise at our workplace, our joy is not diminished. We are still happy. That's when we come to church, and even if we are not married at 29, we still dance because we are mature. God is going to get it done. God is going to do it. So he made us priest unto himself so that we offer up sacrifices. We only deal with the sacrifices. What are the sacrifices that God wants us to offer up? Romans chapter 12. That's right. The first sacrifice we give unto God is our body. One of the confusing things, you see, the more you grow in God, the more you begin to understand certain things. So now I'm very careful the words that I choose when I evangelize. It says something like, give your life unto God. And so many of us, we gave our life unto Jesus. Now we are born again. So it's like, it's like it ends there. We've given our life unto Jesus. What we have to add unto that is that you give your life and you give your body unto him. To so many Christians, the terminology is that we have given our lives unto Jesus. But he wants more than that. That we present our bodies. Look at what he's saying. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. He says, give your life unto Jesus. Oh, well, we have given my life. How long have you given your life? I gave my life to God in 1998. He said, present your body. Be there. As a soldier, you got to be at post. I want to see you there. Not that I've given my life unto Christ, but present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
From what I have known, a sacrifice is killed. But God said that while you are alive, you are already killed. You are offering up a living sacrifice unto God. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the mandate of your life. That is the reason for salvation. You present your body. You make yourself available unto God. That, that is the reasonable thing. This is the original intent of the whole deal that the believer is presented unto God. A living sacrifice. Not only has he offered his life unto Christ, but he presented his body. That when God needs them, they are there. That when God calls them, they are post. They are doing things. Things you can count. Things you can touch. That, that brother, that sister is the one who has her fingers on this for God. They present their bodies unto God. So, here God is telling us two things. That once you are born again, it's not only about offering your life or giving your life unto God, which then takes you through the journey of holiness and righteousness. I will become believers who are seeking to be righteous and live a holy life, walk in purity. Many churches are filled with a whole lot of such people. We can count our blessings and be excited and thank God for the fact that he has kept us righteous and holy. But that's the first aspect of that. God wants your body to do something for him. He wants you to work for him. He wants you to serve him. He said, I present your body, living sacrifice. You have your senses in place. You have your own joys in place. You have your own whims in place. But you are available for me. The churches are filled with only righteous, holy people who do nothing for God. The church will still diminish. Present your body. Tell people that listen, in order for this to happen, you don't get to this point of becoming a living sacrifice by just hoping and waiting. No, you do this by having a sacrifice strategy. A strategy that you live your life by. That strategy could be that in my 24-7, because I work in a bank and I work in a, a certain organization, I don't have time. Eight to five, my day is covered. Six o'clock, I get home, and then the day is over. But I know that I'm a living sacrifice. So here is my strategy. From 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, I will preach before I go home. It's a living sacrifice. Your body is doing something for God and, and you watch and you keep. So I go somewhere. Either I stand at the station or I stand by the roadside and I talk to people about Christ. And I'm Christ and I'm giving out tracts. I'm giving out leaflets. And I'm telling people that it's good. Listen, I just came from work, but I know Jesus loves you. That's why I'm standing here. You're doing something. You, your body is paying a price for the salvation that is given unto you freely. You must have a plan. You must have a strategy. It won't work if you leave it. Those who wait to do it that way, even when the church calls you to come and do something, you will not be available because you don't have a strategy. You don't have a plan to offer your sacrifices. Or you can say that what I want to do is to go to the hospital. After work, I will quickly come home and then eat something, and then I'll run to any hospital close to me, and I'll beg the matron, the police, I just want to be here, spend the next 30 minutes praying for some people, encouraging somebody. Can you lead me to somebody? Oh, please, our time is up, but please, madam, this is a, this is a mandate I keep with my God. What time would be appropriate? But today, let me just go in and talk to people. By the time you realize you are a friend of that world, and they will let you talk because you have a strategy. You are alive. You can do whatever you like. But this one is a mandate you will fulfill for your King and a priest, God wants to see your sacrifices. Offer up your body. Do something for God. It's a reasonable service. That's what makes sense. It's a TV assembly in the time, man, in Yanko, 
And all we have around us are sinners and strugglers. Family members who are always telling us they are unsurmountable problems. And there's nothing we can do. We feel so sad for their situations, but we just cannot do anything. May you become so blessed. Now when we show them, I say, the Lord blesses people. You must make the difference in the family because you are ready to sacrifice a living sacrifice. Now, let me tell you something today because for, for all our lives, many believers have always thought, and that's how we kill churches. And we say that all the time because we are thinking that in a way we also do something for God. But the truth is that if you give your tithe and you give your money, it is not a sign that you truly, truly, truly love God. Once your tithe and your giving has gone, the next thing God wants is the presentation of your body. That is the thing that tells God that you truly understand what this whole relationship is about. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Let's read from the verse number 1. It is important because without the body, hey, now what you are tithe, now what you are offering, then after what? No, they won't come. Or Miss Well pageants, they won't show up. So once we give our body, we are as our money, and we give our tithe. The next thing is the presentation of our body to serve. As we are becoming holy and righteous, we are serving Him. You know, one of the things that I've seen as a pastor, I've realized that many times in so many churches, some of the people who really, really do the work and stand with the man of God that He says this, and people are running, are not the most holy and righteous people. I've seen that. Many times you have a lot of people who look at themselves and they think they are the most holy Christians and the most holy and righteous Christians. And they think that they are the best, many matured Christians. When it comes to the church, they are the people who know God. They do nothing. You realize that the people who do the work and you call them and they are running. You call Most of them are people, sometimes they are even having their own challenges in life. But they are available. You just tell them something and they will run and go and get it accomplished. Whereas people who think that they are the purest just sit in the church. Look at this. Moreover, brethren, we do due to weight of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So Paul is saying something. Listen, I've been an apostle all these years. I have followed God. There is something I've seen about the Macedonian church. There is a certain grace upon them that I want to recommend for all the churches. They are different. He's saying that I've seen Christians from all walks of life. From one town to another, from one city to another. I see different shades of believers. The attitude towards God, the attitude towards the work of God. But the Macedonian church have a special grace. And I want to teach you so that you learn from them. What is he talking about? Verse number two. He said, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. In fact, I get confused when I read this. Because what, what is going on here? The Bible says that these people had great trials of affliction. Then he says that they had abundance of joy. What? How can that combination happen? They had great trials of affliction. Too mature. They were saying that we're not going to let some afflictions dictate our joy in Christ. Can, can you be that kind of Christian who is going through some afflictions and 
oh, he don't even know because we see you always excited because you are not looking at those things you are looking at the greater Christ behind those afflictions the one who can redeem you by the snap of his finger the one who can change your estate it's a whole powerful thing in the great trial of affliction abundance of their joy and deep poverty and, and you say afflictions they are poor deep they are poor deep just a what had in Roboto Prani who put out this Canadian shit. Winnie bag, Winnie bears, nothing in their lives. What a combination. To find yourself in that state and you still have abundance of joy. And look at what the Bible says in their deep poverty. Can you go back, go back, please? Verse 2. Abounded unto the riches of their liberality. While they were going through all of that, great afflictions, joy in abundance, deep poverty. They're enjoying poverty, but as soon as they hear anything, they put their money down for Christ. So, to honor if you have a baby dinner, then it goes on to your rent. Or by church, I know they will find people. They see if they see fans, and I can last hundred. They make happens. I wish we could compare this to our time. But Christians are the kind of people that love God more, and they are even liberal more. We are sorry, some people are like because of their troubles the microphone shouldn't be open the speakers must be lowered and they didn't because no no they were excited for God and they became even more kind the Bible said that they were liberal let's move on look at what the Bible is saying about the Corinthian church beautiful people great place verse 3 please for to their power I bear record here and beyond their power they were willing of themselves to do what verse number 4 Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You know, so they were poor, but they were trying hard. They were liberal. They were giving everything so that the work of God will go on. They were giving everything so that the work of God will progress. And you say, the work must come to a standstill. They are building Toyota. They are building Guinness. They are building all these corporate organizations. We must build the church. We should not give offering. Pastors must stop talking about raising funds because he rent a cry into Nintia. They were strong people. So they were begging that. And we want to be part of that. We want to bless people. We want to be part of the vision. Verse number five. Look at this. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. That's a total church. They don't mix their issues with the work of God. Because they know that as God's word progresses, they didn't mix it. And the forester said, correct. That was their nature. Beautiful church, beautiful people. The Bible says that they gave themselves unto God and they gave themselves unto the apostles. That's what Peter is saying. The two are different. The challenge is that many of us do not give ourselves unto the pastors. What does it mean to give yourself unto the leaders? You give them yourself unto the vision. Pastor, is there something the church is doing? What is my role? What can I also do in the church? They make sure that these apostles, these pastors, they have a mandate. God wants them to do something in the city. What am I supposed to do? In our minds, many believers think I've given myself to the Lord. But it's not enough when you have not presented your body to the vision. There is something that Sister Agatha does 
there is something that brother Moses does. And they know that that is what they do to the extent that even when you want to promote them, and the promotion means that they cannot do what they are doing for God, they will refuse it. One of the Christianity they do. You've given yourself to God, that's fine. Give yourself to your leaders. Pastor, what can I do? Praise be unto the name of the Lord. It's always an honor to come to you at such a time of your day to bring you such truth, to bring you such light and word of the Lord to begin your day with and to construct your day, your week and the months coming with the word of the Lord. My name is Reverend David Seth Kwansa. I'm the head pastor of Mid Country Chapel. We meet at a Macomb traffic light opposite the children's park and every Sunday our services start at 7 a.m. Uh, to 9.15, that is the first service and the second service starts at 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. We invite you to come and fellowship with us. We invite you to come and worship with us. It's a season where God is doing powerful things in spite of the challenges that our world is going through. And so we're honored to have you tuning in to our broadcast and being part of this. I invite you every Thursday morning at exactly 5.20 on Love FM to come and be part of this. The Lord bless you so much. We'll be waiting for you at church. We have meetings also on Wednesday evenings at exactly 6 o'clock, which ends at 8. The Lord bless you and have a wonderful day. We'll be with you again. Bye-bye. You can also be a part of this great ministry by joining through sponsoring. To sponsor, please call 0244-461-471. Individuals, businesses, and corporate organizations are welcome. May the good Lord bless you more as you propagate the kingdom message. For prayer and counseling, you can call 0244-461-471. Remain blessed. Well, for saying that remain blessed, all I'll say is